Okay, last call. Order now before I turn on the lights and you really see what's going on with yourselves. Now you got me thinking. I know we didn't we didn't did travel we didn't travel to brawl up in like um Pleasantville and Motherfucking Briarcliff. Pleasantville and Briarcliff. Oh, stop. Yo. Who were y'all fighting Bro, out listen, there? Let the me say road something. Team? I, I, so listen, let me say the something. The yacht club? So, I, no, no, so, so listen, listen. So this is how we, this was the uh, summer. Bro, you go somewhere Listen, this, this was the summer flex. Thing? What we do is we pull up our cars of like girls and that was like driving through that area. Briarcliff? Not, not Briarcliff, more so Pleasantville, right? So we'll pull up on them. It'd be like two, three of them in the car. Be like, oh, where y'all going? This is during the summer. And, and it was like, there's big ass house parties out there, right? Yeah. So we pull up on them and be like, oh, we're going to this house party. This is a house party. So we came up on a crew that was like, oh yeah, we're going to this house, house party up the street. So we followed them, right? Went to the house party. Bro, there's like 400 people in this, in this motherfucking party. We was like, oh nigga, we finna pull up. So me and the two of my other men that's in this car got on the phone. Within a half hour, there was a convoy of 30 cars, Damn. no less than three or four people in each car on the way to this party. And like, we... Like ran up in there. Yeah. We wasn't in there for more than seven minutes before they called police on their own fucking party, <laughs> and they shut that shit down. So on the way out, like you know, oh, niggas act rowdy. Y'all was shit. activated. Yeah, Yo, they was. Briar they was, was stomping, rich. They was stomping cars out Brian on the way is back. Rich. Yeah, so that's like, crazy. Was like man. high school or something. Yeah, it's high school. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah. That's crazy. High school Dope. parties were lit though. Yeah, it, it went down. If you had to plug. Yeah. Um, I regret not having more rich friends in high school. Yeah, no, I made. I made. I made a couple plugs. I was in a program where I was in like. Um, like in, uh, during a senior year, like I'd leave, I'd leave campus, um, and uh, there's like, uh, like me, two or three people from each school. So there was, of course, Peace Kill and you know Austin, Tarrytown. I mean, it might be some Woodlands, but there was also Briarcliff. Oh, you're talking about the step Katona. program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's, so, what, yeah, what does my that friend do? Was in that. So it was like an, an academic program. Like you had to be chosen to be. But like in when it. you get out of school, like what do you go do? Um, so it it, it's, it wasn't. It was during school. It wasn't. It was during senior year. So it was I like was saying, an, when you when they let you out of out of school. So you went to another satellite campus and you did like internships or you got opportunities to do internships and do just other extracurricular shit outside for your senior year. Oh, okay, so that's so, how you got around. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you link with different people from different people in uh, the area. So mm. make a phone call. Oh, Peter's. Um, uh, he go to Brockley. Peter, what's going? Anything going on in your town tonight? Actually, yeah, there's a joint going on. Come through. All right, bet. So I was good in other areas. I can't speak for the rest of my. What's, I what's I that town that distance? Until. Like when you say like another town, like what's that distance like? I, anywhere from two to ten miles. But everybody oh, has cars. That's the thing. Everybody so, has cars. Well, that shit was not there. rocking in NYC at all yeah. in high school <laughs> at all. Like not even in the closest sense. Like we had to take the train, and nobody had houses, so you couldn't really level up like that on the turn up. It had right. to be right. like 10, 15 people max, and yeah, that was city, about it. City school, city high school life and suburban high school life were probably so it's vastly different. different. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of my friends in college that I met in college that were from Brooklyn and and, and Queens, Bronx, etc. A lot of their friends are artists, street artists, all that type of shit. Um, a lot of my friends, shit. They either owned homes and went away to school, or they owned homes and did drugs and had to go to rehab. So crazy how that shit is so prevalent in like middle America and these small towns throughout the U.S. It just it's, blows it my makes, mind. It actually like, makes perfect sense. I mean, I feel like you, like New Yorkers are always like, "Oh, well, y'all access," but like really, drugs. 
spread faster than viruses do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, facts. all you got to do is, A, learn how to do them or have somebody who's wanting to make money and, and, and will take it to these small areas. And then the people, not even small areas in middle America, but small areas in New York State. Like, yeah. you go 30 well, I mean, small minutes areas up. Like everywhere, every, right? small, you go 30 minutes up the Henry Hudson Highway and you go to Ardsley or something and, yeah. and their kids doing coke in high school and their parents have the money. And the access, their kids in private schools, yeah. going to masters in Tarrytown, right. their parents paying 50 grand a year for their high school yeah. tuition, and they're on pills, opioids. Well, you know what it is? It's just, yeah. it's just a lot of idle time on yeah. your hands, yeah. you know what I'm saying? As in comparison to like right. city urban life where yeah. people yeah. are it's, doing art. It's, 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 there's, there's always so something to get into in the city, right? But uh, people just anywhere else outside of like that urban area, mm -hmm. there's nothing to do. So what are you going to do? You're going to get drunk, mm -hmm. find beers, find access to that, or you're going to find access to drugs. And mm -hmm. some people explore out of marijuana. I never did personally, but you know what I'm saying? That's just... It's the access to it, and what are you gonna do? And well, they're not getting policed out there like they getting policed in New York yeah, City as yeah, well. So they could definitely it. get real, real twisted out I there. I remember being at a house party in New Rochelle. Uh, there were probably the ratio was there were about two hundred and fifty people there. Myself and three of my other friends were the only people that weren't white. And the cops came through. No lie, cop was like, "Jim, is your dad home?" Nah, I went away for the weekend. Oh, all right. <laughs> no problem. Take care. I didn't know it was your house. Blow your mind. That's priv that's legit privilege right there. Like yeah, they the were flesh. just like keep the noise down. Yeah. They saw the bottles of beer. They saw the weed smoke because they know what it is. They grew up the same way. Exactly. It's, it's always like like a just like an inbred like cultural thing or whatever. Like even like for me, I noticed like and I came from areas Cincinnati where you would think that like kids were on drugs, but really it wasn't even that crazy. Like in the in the hood neighborhoods, like kids don't want to be on drugs because you see. The fiends are right there. Like, yeah. why would you want to smoke? See, yeah, you want to like high that school. Nigga? Yeah. But like, it's like a I hood deterrent. To, when I moved to Florida and I started going like to prep school to play ball, I saw more drugs in prep school than I saw like my whole life growing up in the hood in Cincinnati. Like, I'm talking about I was in class and this dude like had bars on him, like Xanax bars. Yeah, had it in a paper. We in the middle of like geom. Like, nah, it was geometry. It was like pre cal. He do 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 do. Teacher turned around. It's like, what? Who did that? <laughs> Y'all keep it down. All right. Like I was saying, uh, X Boom, and he's like, opened up the little notebook paper, and it was just a whole bunch of crushed up pills. Snorted the pills in class, bro. Wow. Like second row. Second this row class. High school? Bro. This is in high school, in prep school. Yeah, That's absolutely. Intense. He just did it just to show, like, yo, I don't give I a fuck. Do it, yeah. I can do this shit. That's crazy. I'm like, what are you trying to prove, my brother? Like, what is it that you really trying to prove? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's high school Love. ego, bro. He tried to fight me. He was a midget. He tried to fight me one time. Too. You know what? <laughs> a lot of these kids, Sorry, even, small it, even I was about to say, little, little person. person. Yeah. Little person. Yeah. A lot of these kids, they they realize that they're only going to school out of a technicality. Like they're doing it because, all right, this is what I have to do. But once I graduate, my dad is the VP of this company. My uncle's the CEO of this company. Yeah. I'm going to get a job fresh out of college. I just have to do the bare minimum, and I'll be good. Yeah. I already got my trust fund set up. Mm -hmm. I already got like a, a account at Merrill Lynch. I already got a Fidelity account, an IRA. Like I heard dudes talking about IRAs when I was a freshman in, in Albany. I was in the wow. library. Mm -hmm. The first time I ever heard about investments in IRAs and the difference between a Roth IRA and a regular IRA, it was these two white dudes, yeah. literally 17, 18 years old. Oh, well, uh, my portfolio has been a little diverse these days. Yeah. Uh, my dad put a little money over here, a little money over there. Did you get your Roth set up yet? I'm like, 
And I, in my head, crazy. I was like, what the hell is a Roth IRA? Meanwhile, y'all trying to teach me the Pythagorean theorem of motherfucking 10th <laughs> Like, teach me about IRAs, man. Teach me about 401ks and investments, you, about, you said freshman in college, right? Yeah. You should absolutely know the Pythagorean theorem by the time. No, no, yeah. what I'm saying is... I know, I'm just fucking with you. I'm talking <laughs> about, no, but I'm talking about in high school, when they're teaching you the Pythagorean theorem, instead of teaching you that, yeah. they should teach you about things to set you up and be successful man, in life. Definitely. For sure, but why would they ever teach you something that would actually help you? Mm. Facts, facts. Anyway, shout outs to... Uh, uh, right, this so, long-winded uh, so, <laughs> intro. <laughs> right, uh, what's, going, what's going on, folks? My name's Ken. I'm Nick. I'm Dave. And you listen to the Last Call podcast. We got a special guest in the building. You might have heard his voice, but go. We're gonna give you the proper introduction. Go ahead, bro. Introduce Appreciate yourself. that. Thank y'all for having me, man. I'm really thankful to be here. Thank you, Nick, for yeah, allowing man. me this opportunity. Um, I'm Donnelly Rodriguez, also known as Danny Devon, former Elias, still lives through me nowadays. But uh, uh, I'm just here uh, just to talk, you know, uh, to share my thoughts, uh, share my ideas. And and just uh, be with like-minded people yeah, in the same bro. space to talk about the things that we care about and that interest us. Yeah, I'm going to keep it real, Danny. I've known you for, what, eight years, and I did not know your real first name or last name. <laughs> I've known this dude as Danny Devine since I've met him. Yeah, yeah. I've I was never gonna, even inquired to know I was going to text you and be like, yo, bro, yo, my name's actually Donnelly, but I'm like, that's a little pretentious, so I'm going to just, it's just going to happen naturally. But yeah, man, my actual, my real name is Donnelly. That's what my mother calls me. Um, Are you Dominican? I'm Dominican. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Where Dominican. Can, where can the people find you on uh, social media? Um, uh, Instagram. I'm at, at Danny Divine. Divine is spelled D-I-V-I-N-E. Um, a lot of people confuse that. Uh, Facebook under my actual name, Donnelly Rodriguez. D-A-N-N-E-L-L-Y Rodriguez. And that's about it for my social media. I like to limit it. I don't like to get too. Uh, accessible exactly have, have you ever gone social media dormant like have you ever deleted all social media before i've never deleted it all uh i'm not a believer of that i think it's a little extreme i like to be balanced in my approaches to life um but what i do do is i'll consciously make a choice to um not be on it you yeah, know you. because we tend to default on our devices a lot right and it's led to a huge disconnect in the human experience that i think that we're lacking these days so i'm glad you said that because i was watching uh, an episode of high maintenance um this weekend um, i haven't seen that yet it's a show on hbo yeah. is um, it bad it is bad. oh i mean bro they're in like the second to last episode for the season oh shit. yeah what, what in the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so this week's episode is a guy and it starts off the reason why i was paying attention to it is because there's a shot in the beginning of the episode and it's looking at one of my accounts so i'm like because it, it's, it's in brooklyn on bedford mm -hmm. so i see the i'm like explain what it, people are gonna think what so, do you mean and so i work in the wine and uh and uh, liquor industry right so i have a lot of accounts varying through brooklyn and queens and stuff like that so um on premise would be like bars lounges clubs restaurants off premise being wine and liquor stores right so i saw one of my off premise one of my wine stores huge ass uh 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 um, I guess, I guess an awning, if you would. So, but I reckon, and I saw I was Bedford. I'm like, I think that's my account. So I take a picture of it and I sent the picture to uh, one of the girls that works account. I was like, Am I bugging? Is this your store? She's like, No, this absolutely is. What what fucking show is this? Because I had the TV in the background. Anyway, um, so in the episode, there the beginning, the guy is in a coffee shop and he's trying to limit his distractions. He's trying to focus on productivity and get his work done and he has some sort of modern phone i'm not sure if it was an iphone or a samsung right so he's distracted by that he has a computer in front of him he's distracted by that he goes on some website called freedom i think it is like freedom.com or whatever so mm -hmm. it what it, it is is it can you put in your social media information whatever and it blocks you from accessing it 
Oh, wow. So if you were to type in Twitter or Facebook or Instagram on your laptop or on your phone, it literally stops you from going in. It says, nope, you're supposed to be working. You're supposed to be product, uh, uh, productive today. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot access this. Wow. So it, it, that's why I said it kind of ties in. It's funny you said that because yeah. I thought about that. I was like, damn, like shutting off social media. Yeah. Um, com- like, and, and not just like one form, not just like Facebook, not just Twitter, but everything. Yeah. You know, that's a good ass idea as an yeah. app. Like, right, that's what yeah. I was saying. I was like, damn, it <laughs> yeah. came up. Like, like to just have like a, a lock, like a lock app where you can uh, put all your social media passwords into that I think app. That's an app already. Is it already right? a thing that, and then you could say, I want to be off social media for twenty one days, right. and it does not allow you right. to yeah. access it unless you really, you maybe you have to enter in three times and they'll ask you like are you really sure right you're about they to go ask back you to on do your like word. a math problem or something some yeah. rigorous math problem so you really <laughs> gotta do your research to get right, right. <laughs> like do i really want to get on this bad or should i just keep my word right. exactly you might learn something in the process trying to get on it right. so it might be fruitful so <laughs> um, I, I thought about that like cutting it everything off for but x amount of time. but on another like danny yeah. uh i kind of i want the listeners to know exactly because you do a lot yeah you've done a lot since i've, I've met you you were always you know, the, the way I met Danny mm-hmm. um, was through him educating a bunch of people within Albany, And I heard him speaking, sounded like he had, you know, some char- charisma. And, and I was like, let me listen to what this dude is talking about. So we'll get to that in a minute. But mm-hmm. present day, what is Danny doing in the streets? Um, I got a couple things going on right now, man. Um, I try not to spread myself too thin. But what, what I mostly move towards is empowering people. You feel me? That's that's really what I'm about. Um, I've experienced much struggle in my life. I've seen much struggle in my life. Um, I've seen many people, uh, you know, be at the short end of the six of the system of oppression that we face in America, in New York City, particularly um, through police brutality, mass incarceration, um, the drug war and all these issues that affect our communities. And right now what I'm doing, um, I'm a community organizer for uh, two organizations. Uh, one on uh, I get paid for and another one I do uh, for the sake of, you know, just my work in life. So uh, I'm an organizer for a nonprofit called Students First New York. And what we do is we fight uh, to organize parents in low income communities to hold their elected officials accountable okay. for school policies uh, that'll increase uh, school equity. So you go to Prospect Park, um, you got great schools. But when you go to the South Bronx, the schools aren't so great. And there's particular policies like zoning laws and a variety of different other issues that uh, affect this. So what I do is I literally organize parents in the South Bronx. I'm the I'm the foot soldier. I'm the boots on the ground. I go, I, I door knock, I canvas on the streets, I go into the barbershops, I go into the restaurants, I speak to the people, I let them know that these issues are affecting them and I get them um, excited to be politically active about this issue so I'll rally them to City Hall I'll rally them to Albany we just went to the Somos Legislative Conference last week in Albany so we bust up a a bus full of parents at 6 a.m. in the morning just to go up so that these parents could speak to their elected officials and just hold them accountable for uh, the issues that affect their children in the schools um, in addition to that, um, 
I helped uh, start a nonprofit with a group of friends that uh, I went to Queens College with, and it's called the Student Organization for Democratic Alternatives. And basically what we do is we look to democratize our institutions. Right now, the institution we're looking to democratize is the college campus. Mm. So I'll give you uh, an example. So what we do is we implement participatory budgeting. Um, on student campuses. So on college campuses, they have student association fees that we all used to pay for a variety of different resources. Mm -hmm. But the issue with that was that the student government arbitrarily decided how those funds were utilized. So the student body really didn't have a say you know, on how those funds were utilized. And a lot of it is used on just paying the the student government officials a stipend Mm -hmm. and they just use it frivolously, you know, for things that might not necessarily benefit the entire student body. So what we do is we train and implement uh, students to participate in what's called participatory democracy, participatory budgeting. That's when we take the budget and we take the funds and the students directly decide on the proposals and the projects that they want seen on their campuses. And then they vote on these projects themselves and then implement these projects. So you're basically cutting out the middleman. You're cutting out the student government officials and now you're bringing the projects to the student campus. So the city council in New York does something just like this. They do participatory budgeting and that's when your elected official in your community, not all of the elected officials do this in the city council, but some do, and and they'll allocate like a million dollars of their discretionary spending Mm -hmm towards their citizens and they in turn come and they have an assembly the parents or the the constituents come together and they sit in a room and they say hey we have a million dollars at our disposal how do you want to spend it what do we want to do with this money you know what i'm saying so luckily i was fortunate enough to have this knowledge and what i did was through students first i was able to organize about 20 parents in the south bronx um, to do just that in Vanessa Gibson's office. She is the district uh, councilwoman for the South Bronx. Okay. Um, and she allotted a million dollars to their community. And I was able to organize about, like I said, 25 parents to come together and decide on how they want that money used. And we were able to successfully organize um, and implement a a proposal and successfully vote on this proposal to take half a million dollars and upgrade the technologies and the computers at all district schools in that part of the South Bronx. So you you touched on a lot there, right? So it's like, um, I'll start with, because you're just talking about student, uh, I guess, uh, attacking uh, stipends and stuff that government officials were taking from the students, even though that from the student fund and giving it back to the students and to where they want to properly appropriate the funds. How mm-hmm. were the student, oh, I'm sorry, not the student, but the government officials, like how were they receptive mm-hmm. to that idea? I guess is my So question. just to be clear, so when I said uh, student government officials, I meant the government officials in the student government. Yeah, so uh, them particularly, just to make a distinction there, okay? okay. So these were the student government officials. So historically, um, we aren't necessarily welcomed onto student campuses by student government officials. I wouldn't imagine so. Because what we're doing is essentially taking regulating. away their power to... Well, are you taking away their power? Or are you just regulating, like, are you just giving some type of... Uh, oversight to what they're doing so that they No, this is we're legit taking their 
their role mm-hmm. and spreading it throughout the student campus. So instead of, for example, say Nick was the president of the student association at the University of Albany, he and his uh, vice president and so on and so forth get to decide how the money is being utilized. Mm-hmm. What we do is we say, actually, Nick, you're not going to be the decider. The entire student body is going to decide. So They're going to create the project. So how has Nick's reaction been for you? Guys? So they like to play the politics. So they'll try to be like, you know, hey, I like this idea. This is this is real cool. But when it comes to actually helping us facilitate the process on the campuses, a they're time. a little bit more reserved. <laughs> so, you know, they're playing the fence. But the thing is, what our strategy is, we train and we prepare the students on the campus to approach them in a manner where they bring awareness to the situation so much that they're forced to cooperate. Right. You know, and we've successfully um, been able to democratize the budget at Queens College with pushback, Hunter College, uh, Brooklyn College, and it's been a real wow. successful project. Well, so dope. we're trying to continue that. And not just for colleges, the goal is to continue to democratize all of our institutions, not just the college campus. If we can go to the New York City Council and democratize right. it that way, that'd be great. What are, what, is, what are some of the biggest challenges you face from moving from to, from moving uh, up to the collegiate level? Like what you just said, pushback at mm-hmm. Queens College. So what, what does pushback look like? The pushback is mostly rooted in the status quo, you know, and the student government officials not wanting to cooperate with us. And not just that, um, even sometimes the administration, you know, the, the S, uh, I forget, it's like the student union president or like the administrative individuals who like oversee the student association and the student government. Um, they're also uh, skeptical about it. Um, another real challenge is organizing the students to want to vote right um and want to participate in these uh assemblies and that, that was gonna, we be, that was gonna be my next question and mm-hmm. even going back to what you said initially with uh getting going into businesses and getting them excited right mm-hmm. so like i can imagine that's like the easy part right so mm-hmm. like how do you go about maintaining that enthusiasm with those businesses with those students to mm-hmm. get them to okay take the next step in action with you and mm-hmm. want to to keep the ball uh, rolling and moving forward so our message is really this is like your money your choice you know what i'm saying it's like a lot of students are like why are we paying these student activity fees what's the point of this you know and we just come at them and say hey look you know it's our responsibility to make use of them. And if we just defer to the student government, you're going to continue to see a circus on campus. And legit, we've had circuses at Queens College campus paid for through (laughs) student association fees, which is all good and dandy, you know, um, if the resources were being utilized efficiently for the majority of the campus. But when the funds are being used arbitrarily and you see a circus on the middle of the quad and you're wondering, hey, like... Why is this going on? Um, I think these these are ways that inspire people to get involved, to, to know that they have a direct say, and uh, that's what it's about. It's about participatory democracy. It's about being involved in our civic it's, lives. My, my only question is because, um, like, on my, I went to school in Florida, and I was pretty involved in that kind of thing. And I don't know, maybe it's just the culture of the school, especially things that people aren't really more centralized because you live in New York City, so you probably care less about what's happening on campus. Yeah. Um, 
like at my school it wasn't like that. So I'm just trying to wrap my mind. I mean, I, I, I mean, I completely understand. I've already got the concept of what you're doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, essentially, isn't it already democratized because the student government uh, body people are like voted on, right? Yes. Okay. So when they do that, there's usually like a platform or something like that, mm-hmm. in which like at our school, just like with the president in the United States, a lot of my uh, counterparts from school or contemporaries like end up going to Capitol Hill anyway. But like. That's like kind of like where they cut their teeth a little bit, like just understanding how people and, you know, getting demographics together. But um, so in that we grade their like platform percentage, like, OK, you're halfway through your term. Like what percentage of your platform have you gotten? And usually those things are paid for. Those uh, initiatives are paid for by those fees or whatever. So my only thing is that I mean, I can understand this thing where if like if nobody's coming out to vote. So then they kind of win these things easily. So then nobody cares about the platform. Mm-hmm. So then I can see how that, you know, it's a snowball effect. Exactly. But in that, is that, is that, do you, is that the case before I just kind of like keep rambling? So you, you definitely highlighted something I want to touch on, and it's about the term democracy and what that means. You know, you said that it was democratic in the sense that we voted for these government officials. But what makes democracy, democracy is participation, you know, direct participation, right, being directly asking, yeah. involved in, you know, your civic responsibility as a civic individual in society, and in this case, on our college campuses. So what we're trying to do is flatten the 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 hierarchy. You feel me? Like, there's this power structure where you have the, the politician, mm-hmm. and then you have the people. And the people vote for the politician, but sometimes the politician isn't always accountable to the students or the people you know what i'm saying so a way to kind of like to mitigate that 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 power structure that hierarchy that exists we flatten it by saying you know what um we like you but we also want to have a larger role in what's being done and we want a direct role in what's being done and the way that we do that is we have direct access to the funds we create the project proposals and you can be a part of that process as opposed to just depending on this student government official to do what you expected them to do because you voted for them right and like i said i can't speak on these other colleges and their infrastructures because on top of that like there's like a full balance of power like in my school like there's a judiciary system there's a judiciary branch there's a mm-hmm. senate branch you know like or what is that it's a legislative legislative legislative, legislative branch there's a judicial branch and then there's the executive branch so we have a private school though right it was a no public, public, school. School. public school so our ans fees come from part uh government funding and part um a percentage of each dollar that you pay on your credit mm-hmm. um but also like I said, like I don't know, my school is just different. So like, and it's an HBCU, so like everybody's completely involved in how these things go. Mm-hmm. And like, no, you don't vote on every initiative that happens because it's so much stuff going on. Especially at the size school of my size, it'd be it would literally take half of the year to like if we were to flatten things and they vote on everything. Like mm-hmm. it would take half the year to get anything, anything, any of these things accomplished. That's why, like I said, the platform points are important. But then you got the Senate who doesn't just allow the the student body president to just go ahead and just push things through mm-hmm. and also there's a constitution in which it's open to the student body that yeah. a lot of people are very involved and people show up to the Senate meetings to figure out what's going on so like I said like yeah like democracy works when people are involved that's yeah. what I'm saying like if people aren't involved then yeah you serve it but at that point there's no reason for a student body president yeah I definitely dig which is why they're yeah. upset with you because they're like Wait, I came here to do this because maybe I want to even cut my teeth in politics at some yeah. point in time. But you coming mm-hmm. and you're saying that 
I'm not doing my job probably because they're not, but I'm not doing my job properly. Mm-hmm. And now you're basically like you don't even go here. Yeah. <laughs> like and you're telling me like, oh, I can't be I basically can't be president anymore. So this is the thing. It's it's we don't want to make it so, you know, this like like this sort of like duality of like, you know, if uh, students are more empowered than the in- individual elected government official is less empowered. What we want to do is create a stronger collective uh greater consensus and create a greater consensus build in our institutions so that in this way we can hold ourselves accountable and when we hold each other accountable we can see greater results and we can also identify the problem when they arise right as everybody's a part of it exactly but at this point the, the president is just basically a project leader yeah, you can you can say that it, it, he takes a different role. He mm-hmm. can be an exec, like he can execute, facilitate um, the process, mm-hmm. and that's also very important because mm-hmm. if you don't have someone who executes and facilitates the process, then things won't get done. Right. So I think what we need to focus on when we ha- talk about these things is student empowerment and people empowerment. And the more people and the more students that we empower, um, the better and the more civically re- responsible and accountable we can so, become. So, so, Danny, all of this sounds dope. Um, and I'll be honest, this, you know, when I first met you, mm-hmm. this didn't seem like the type of path you were going down. Yeah. Uh, Danny's first uh, intro to me was introducing me to this documentary called Obama Deception. Yeah. And Obama deception. Long story short, wasn't it Zeitgeist? Oh, yeah, you know what? Zeitgeist. It might have been Zeitgeist. It was Zeitgeist. And then yeah. Obama deception. Yeah. Yeah. So Zeitgeist explained mm-hmm. the uh, conspiracy behind why 9/11 could have been an inside job. Yes. Um, Zeitgeist has a series of different documentaries, but that particular one was about 9/11 being an inside job. Yeah. And I did watch it, and it it, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, you obviously have to watch anything with with an open mind if you're gonna get down that type of rabbit hole um mm-hmm. you can't think one way too too far left or yeah. too, too far right um but you didn't seem like you wanted to be involved with government at all back then um so how yeah. did it you know how did this path Tra- happen like where did the transition come you know what that's a great question nick man because it, it has been a huge process of evolution for me and my perspective and i think what really switched it up for me is realizing my role in all of this and what I could do about it. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't want to be one of those people who were complaining about the status quo, about, you know, oh, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It could be better. Um, and, and this is why. And not doing squash shit about it. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Because w- what's getting what's getting done if I'm just going to sit here and, and have this knowledge and have this awareness and it's just it's just falling on deaf ears. Nothing is getting done. I can talk. I can talk. I can talk. I can talk. And you know what? I, I, I can talk all day and, right. I, and I'm pretty darn great at it. But what's that going to do? I just don't want to be that person. I don't want to be angry. And I think that realizing that I just I just think about this one quote that I, people often told me in those times and it was like in order to to beat them you got to join them and every time I heard that phrase I was like nah man that's not how you get it done 
But now I've realized throughout many experiences is that the way that you beat them, you can join them, but you have to switch the process and remember who you are in the process. You know, always anchor yourself where you came from, what you did, and why you're doing it. Because once you start to to move up as black men, you know, in our society, you you find yourself further removed from those people that you grew up with going up this social ladder. And for me, that's an injustice to my experience, to our experience. It's unfortunate. You know, and I don't see that as a fruitful life for myself. And being so passionate about the issues that we have today in America, um, I just couldn't complain about it and not do something about it so i started to get involved and i started to become more active and i started to put my thoughts and my ideas into action and start taking small sacrifices in order for you know a a greater role for myself Mm -hmm. to impact the world and try to you know influence it and make it a a much better place so i think that that is really what led me to you know go to law school because that was that was a that was a huge debate for myself you know like should i go to law school this whole system is corrupt i join it i just become corrupt and rotten with it you know but i'm like you know what if everyone thought that way and i think a lot of people think that way that's the reason why the status quo of of rotten politics and corruption is is going to continue because there will always be those rotten politicians that say all right fuck it at least they don't want to stop it anymore exactly they know it exists but what are they going to what are they going to do they like they like it that way and they they also feel like the price of entry is too high for us like even law school is not like the cheapest thing in the world i mean there's many ways between grants and scholarships for us to figure that out which is one thing that they don't make readily available when people think about law school a lot of people are like discouraged from going to law school med school these different things because of the price of entry yeah Um, so then when you have the price of entry plus the skepticism about the system then you just have a a recipe for more corruption to rise up and that's that's really what it comes down to and i just i just always ground myself in you know like i said who i am where i'm from what i stand for and why i'm doing what i'm doing you know and it's to empower people people myself and because i don't want to be alone moving up through the social ladder. I don't want to continue to move upward in the social ladder and then I look around me and I don't recognize anyone right. from from where I'm from, where where I grew up, you know, and that that's a huge injustice to the black experience in America mm. and I don't want that. And it's like it's more than just like this whole, you know, you got Hove and Diddy and these guys talking about black excellence and 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 I always question that. And I mean, what does that mean? For me, it, it sounds like black capitalism. You know what I'm saying? It's like a bunch of black, wealthy entrepreneurs who are coming together and congregating and promoting that. And there's, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think that's great. But these people seep through the cracks. You feel me? Right. We need to just revolutionize the whole system in a way where this is not seeping through the cracks, but everyone is moving towards progression. Right, because less than 1% of America will be a Jay-Z or a Diddy. So, yeah, that's black black excellence, but, yeah, black America, we'll we'll get to that point. So, 
I I feel what you're saying. Yeah. Because I love to see when 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 Jay Z and Ho- and uh, Diddy do that. But at the same time, how many of us will be at that point? You exactly. Know what I mean? So it's more than just being wealthy. It's more than just being famous. It's about being civically involved. You feel me? When we start to become civically involved and engaged, that's when we really can take control of our lives. Because once we have a a, a black electorate, a black body, a, an autonomous black body, right. you know, alternative institutions in which, you know, people of color can really empower themselves wanna... on a way outside of just capitalistic means of entrepreneurialism and and financial wealth, which is great. You know, it's it's going to help us, but it's not going to help everybody. Do you, do you find more people? I'm, I'm sorry, Nick. No, do you find more people becoming more civically involved after this past election? Yes, I do. I do. However, I will say this. Those tend to be people with the privilege of a college education. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the people in the hood. Those aren't the people in the streets. Those aren't the people that 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 we really need to start mobilizing and getting involved. And I think there they there's small pocket holes of that happening, and I've I've seen it. There's a couple organizations. One in particular I want to shout out is called Faith Father Alive in the Hood. Fathers Alive in the Hood. And they're just going around neighborhood to neighborhood and just really building um uh the the relationship the relationship between fathers and their children, children. Right. and really like molding that bond as a way to reinforce a new institution of black communities right. you know did you saying? foresee the situation we're in right now happening like i mean you were i'm sure you were doing community organizing a couple of years ago yeah uh during the election process yeah. and everything did you see this happening or you know did you expect, were you like some New Yorkers that were just like, there's no way that this dude is going to become president? I was one of those dudes that was saying, no way this guy is going to be president. Mm-hmm. Then when he became president, I said, you know what? This is the guy this country deserves right now, quite frankly. You know, because the issues of racism in America have not been resolved. It's, uh, I think the history of America is one of trauma mm. that has been just People are afraid swept to face it. Under the damn rug. This is like if Straight America up. took ayahuasca and now we're facing the shit and we're like, oh, exactly. this is a trip. <laughs> Straight up. I've been trying to ignore yeah. this for 30 years <laughs> and now I drank the ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Damn. The power has been stripped. Away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a great analogy, man, because that's really what I think is, you know, what's going down in America right now where we're faced with having to recognize the rampant racism that exists on an individual level and on a systemic level. Because when we talk about racism, uh, we're not just talking about prejudice. And people have this tendency to just reduce it to prejudice. Like, oh, you know what? Like, you're black, I'm white, I don't like black people, and I don't like you, so get out of my house, get out of my restaurant. But it's much larger than that. Racism is rooted in the law, the drug war, mass incarceration yep. um, these type of things that disproportionately Danny speaking of race yeah. you you're Dominican yeah. male um I want to touch on uh Dominican culture and yeah. the difference between calling yourself black because I've noticed you call yourself you're you consider yourself a, a man of color a black man yeah, yeah. in America yeah 
Now, a lot of Dominicans that I know that are even more mm. of a darker complexion than you do not yeah. consider themselves black. Yeah. They consider themselves Dominican or, mm. you know, their parents would allow them. All right. So I used to date a Dominican girl. Her yeah. parents would probably be more comfortable with her dating a uh, dark-skinned Dominican dude mm -hmm. that speaks Spanish as opposed to a dude who's a dark-skinned African-American dude. Yeah. So can you touch on like the 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 uh yeah man on that Culture. whole topic I'm of... I'm glad that you you asked that because it's it's a topic that is not you know really touched on uh enough and it needs to be touched on more and I think it's happening day by day but um I think in Dominican culture we have a history of colonization um one in which we were colonized and our history is one where uh, it's been whitewashed is and Dominicans um, from my experience at home and you know with my family they don't really understand their roots in 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 blackness you know and it's really unfortunate because it takes away one of the fundamental elements in the Dominican experience that we we embrace in so many ways in our food in our music you know but when it comes to to, to skin color it, it's like no 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 and it's a tough one and it's something that i'm still struggling with you know personally just trying to be able to identify you know as black in america you know um and i, I think that dominicans don't understand that you know, my father, he comes here and he doesn't look at the police and say, oh, shit, you know, I need to be careful because they're going to come after me. Right. You know what I'm saying? They don't have that dynamic because he was born in the Dominican Republic. He doesn't have that experience. So I think they don't understand what it means to be black in America. And that's warranted to them. But as far as the Dominican experience in on the island... You know, I think there's also a, a history of conflict with the Haitians. Mm, um, you know, the Dominicans also uh, gained their independence from Haiti. You know, so there was beef there historically. Right. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people don't know that. And um, there's also been um, immense racism in our politics on dominican republic as far as our policies against well, well, the dominicans sold they sold the land west of the mountains to france france then began came in and did what they did to haiti or whatever yes. which created what was considered haiti because the haiti was was created from ethnically was created from basically blacks running away from that side of the island the other island side of the island wasn't really yeah. Uh, habitated because it was like super marshy, very like muddy and like mm -hmm. they just like not. Nah, they also exploited the hell out of the of that side of the island, the French. Like they legit exploited yeah, it, and that's sure. why you see that huge different like uh, geography and mm -hmm. climate. Right. In as Haiti, soon as you as like drive from Semina or whatever part of DR that is, that's beautiful. Yeah. You get into as soon as you cross over to Haiti, nothing is growing. Yeah. Nothing is alive. Mm -hmm. It's like it's almost like you're on a you're in a whole nother yeah. you would be surprised that it's the same exact land. Like if you want to be technical, it should be considered the same country it if is, there was no you yeah. know what I mean? Like Hispaniola is one yeah. piece of land, but two different 
it's like it's literally like there's a line in the sand. Like, exactly. Things do not grow over there. They don't even mm-hmm. have the same type of vegetation, well, same type the, of fruits. When they were fighting, mm-hmm. when they were fighting though, even during that, like a lot of the ways, especially the French, because they knew this because they went through this with when they tried to invade Russia, is that like taking away their supplies and, and abilities to sustain the, the the military powers and like the rebellion of Toussaint, Toussaint over Louverture, uh, Toussaint Overture, yeah. if you're like familiar, like yeah. they would salt the earth, you know right. what I'm saying, so mm-hmm. that things wouldn't grow. Right. And then once you strip away that ability, it like really ruins the sto- like ruins yeah. the soil or whatever. But I mean, just like the whole idea of like how the colorism happened. Mm-hmm. Is like really embedded into how people view each other, because like if you look at how I'm not gonna say like I mean because DR I mean it's got their dirty parts too, but like yeah the 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 huge disparity in what dirty is in Haiti versus what dirty is over there is like yeah. ridiculous and like really all that was trying to happen was that they were just trying to get away, <laughs> they were just trying to escape like yeah. the slaves are just trying to escape yeah and the continue embedding or uh, inbreeding of like the European Hispanic culture with the Arawaks created this kind of like super like fair skin, fair haired like people. Yeah. Like over and over. And then once you get that separation, yeah. You get that once you get that separation, you get the the dark skinned people on that side of the island. Yeah. And what you know, what's considered through the island cultures of the Caribbean, especially called Maroons, mm-hmm. which is in Jamaica too, which is basically uh Senegalese uh the like that horn of Africa, like that pe- those people who would basically like leave from wherever they were and just camp up in the mountains where they were safe because nobody would go up there. Like, yeah. oh nah, it's nah. Yeah, I mean, the Maroons were some of the most raw people in Jamaica. Those, those were the people that that's that, there's the reason why slavery didn't exist in Jamaica that long. Yeah. Like they weren't they were colonized and you know Jamaica got its freedom in the sixties from England, but before that, like slavery wasn't a huge issue it was nearly not an issue as big as it was in america for the caribbean Mm -hmm. especially in jamaica because of people like the maroon indians but going back Mm -hmm. to to dr it's like just people in new york like aside from colorism in dr and dealing with haitians or whatever yeah people in new york that are dark-skinned dominicans the ones in our generation, I think they're starting to become way more aware yeah. of who they are and what their identity is. But people in their 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s, they're like, they're dark as hell. Like you would you would see a dude as dark as Akon, that's Dominican, right? Yeah. But he might he he might not want his daughter dating an African American dude. That's your complexion. It's, it's mind blowing, but it, it's rooted in self hatred and the colonization of the Dominican Republic. You know, it was colonized, um, you know, by the Spanish. Yeah. You know, and the Spanish had uh, a, a very different policy than the French on the other side of the island during those times. And I think that in that process, they started to just appreciate uh, uh, the the white aesthetic. Right. The and the fact that, you know, these white people were providing for them in this way. So now it's like, it's sort of like, okay, you know, trying to own that, like, white privilege and be like, okay, I'm not black. Right, right You know, right. I'm, I'm white. Right. Or, you know, I'm right. Latino or whatever it is. Yeah, but, to, to get an upper hand on the privilege, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But in America, you're black. You know, if you're Dominican in America, you're black. When a cop... I mean, yeah. Pulls me over. Right. He's not seeing his nephew. He's not seeing his grandson. He's not seeing his niece or whatever. He's seeing 
a black man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's it's something that I've struggled with because I've asked myself, you know, am I black? What's that mean to be black? You know, and I'm putting it in the context of, of what it means to be black in America. And what that means is is it's an other. You are the other. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's and real. when we identify it as something that's just skin color, that's what empowers that racism, that colorism. Yeah, exactly. In, in our country and that hatred that you see, you know, within people who are pretty much black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying in this country. Yeah. And even in their own country, you know. And it's it's been a challenge. It's a challenge that I face with my family and um and I try my best to approach it with as much compassion and empathy as as possible, you know, and try to inform the history and you know, I tell my father I'm black, he look at me dumbfounded. Like, right. what? <laughs> you know, yeah. my father is white as you, Nick. You yeah. feel me? He's like and my mom is, you know, just as dark as you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it it's really about erasing this whole this this notion of colorism that's been embedded so, deeply in the culture right, through right. its history, mm-hmm. through colonization. And I think that the more that we talk about it, the more that Dominicans stand up, you know, just as myself and say, you know what, we are black here in America. And uh you guys need to recognize that our history is one of a mixed race. You know, we got black ancestors, we got native ancestors, and we got white ancestors. Yeah, and that's why, you know, crazy enough, a lot of people, there's there will be certain, like, a lot of people probably look at you and say, oh, you're probably black and white. Yeah. Or a lot of people look at me and say, oh, you're probably Dominican. It's like, <laughs> you get people that, yeah. like, oh, no. the Dominican, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got yeah. the, no, no offense, you got the Dominican nose. <laughs> you, the you know what? <laughs> a lot of people, when I say I'm Dominican, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But when I when I don't say anything and I'm, you like, ambiguous, people say bunch of Arab, yeah. Indian, yeah. Middle Eastern. But, but that just lets you know. That just lets you know, like, okay, if you mix... All right, so you got A, B, C, D. If you mix A, a little bit of C, and mostly D, you get this. That's Dominican. Then if you mix B and C predominantly, boom, that's Arabic. Yeah. Now, why is there such... Or let's, my perfect example, my favorite example is um, uh, Cooley Jamaicans, Trinidadian people, and people who are literally from... India or Guyana. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. Guyana's the same thing. India. India. Yeah. Like, like... Why, like, if you if you can't even just look at that and like those boom, 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 and like um Eastern Africans, Ethiopian, mm-hmm. Eritrean, um, all you have to look at is where you know you look at the original countries. You just look at where they've settled. But I'm just saying more so like the mix of cultures yeah. just lets you know, like it just lets you know, like yeah. damn, okay, if it just takes that much little piece, right. even from different areas to get that same look, exactly. then what does that make any of like us? if you drop Danny in Israel? No, Dude, he'd be good. No he'd be good. He'd be Gucci. No question. Put a kufi on his head or something. You, you drop Danny in Gucci. Afghanistan. Yeah. He's good. I'm good. You drop I'm him good. in DR, Washington Heights. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Like, summertime, baby. Let's go. Go. Yo, people look at you and think you're Dominican. They stay in. Yeah. Start yeah. speaking Spanish. Yeah. Bad yeah. shit happened to me on last Wednesday, right? So there's a car blocking me. It's like a truck blocking me in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I go to put my bag in my car and I'm... Some some poppy dude he starts to be oh get okay okay I was like yeah, yeah, word, I hear you yeah, man, yeah. I'll be right back I think get okay get okay I said yeah word all right you move your truck I, I'm going inside the store get some water real fast 
Um, speaking on um, a lighter note of institutionalized racism, yeah. um, the NCAA um, tournament was this weekend. At least the first round was, right? So, uh, go ahead, Dave. I'll let you get your gloat on. <laughs> Let's hear it. Go ahead, Dave. I ain't tripping, bro. Man, get your, uh, uh, get your, uh, uh, get your, get your gloat on. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Well, look. Hey, Sweet 16, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Where you in see at? So, we didn't even see Dave <laughs> last week. So, Dave, how was your uh, 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 experience at the ACC tournament on... Uh, uh, um, Harrowing. Weeks ago. It was harrowing, bro. It was harrowing? Yes. Why was that? Because we lost. It was my first time watching Duke play UNC. And as though as as though the Greek the seats were like great. It was full. We had a little douce. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that was great, but just watching a team just kind of like beat you is just not a and it went down to the last yes. and then you saw a lot of stupid errors. Grayson being Grayson, when he gets frustrated, he starts making very emotional decisions. I don't want to get into all of that, but right. you know, but it was overall it was a great experience. Right. You know what I'm saying? Lefty that train, you have to lefty lefty's a he's a horrible human being, bro. Man, yeah, bro. yo, he he put a, he put a video up because I, I wasn't there, but I saw the video. That, I don't know why Lefty even wanted to post that of himself, but he just looked like. Uh, uh, an obnoxious person yeah. Yeah, and that, 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 that got blessed with, with, with access to a sweet and unlimited liquor. <laughs> Imagine oh, that the entire game. He's exactly God. the way you would think somebody... <laughs> Shouldn't that that has money that shouldn't have money acts oh, like man. he was just like in the suite and Delicious. I love you Lefty but you were acting like a fool. <laughs> was, and he's like, fuck all y'all motherfuckers. Bruh. I'm a shotgun to these beers and I'm gonna go back down Bruh. there and curse all of y'all out. The homie, the homie went down in the first half. Caught like a like an ankle or an Achilles little stinger or whatever. He said, "Good, good." I'm like, "Bro, all right, that's too far." Like, nah, I, I would never. He was on some fucking. Why is he? I, is he, is he a some, fan? Or he's a, yeah, he's a, a Oh, he's a UNC. But like, no, 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 no. If you you're you're a Philly fan, if. You would hit yeah, nah, back. Don't say that because Philly fans is ruthless, bro. No, no, no. no, no. no. I'm talking about but, injuries, but, though. But, but there are not bad. you, not you. Yeah, there are bad but people. Philly, bro, they were throwing beer cans at kids when we went to, uh, when we was at the uh, the tailgating. <laughs> I didn't see anybody. Get yes, that happened. Right? I got the video. <laughs> of he didn't. I didn't see. No, <laughs> no. But there are bad people. It's just like he's just he's just bad people. He's one of those bad fans. Yeah, there like, there's a fan. I mean, there are Giants fans that are bad. Jets fans that are horrible people. Patriots fans. They're just bad people in a, in the world, Facts. and you put a jersey on them, and all of a sudden they're a bad fan of. Yeah. Lefty's just an asshole. Lefty's the worst fan. <laughs> Not every ever. UNC fan I'm is never, like that. I am. If I if I if we go to a sporting <laughs> event, I need to know where his alliance is like. Also, I no because he's he's what type of people like get you in a fight. Like we just happened oh, to be yeah. in the suites, and the, the suite next to us was the MX suite, and it was all. All Virginia and mostly UNC fans, like old like white dudes who like you know. Oh, they found it hilarious. They, they were, thought it was funny. They were yucking it up, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, last week was great. Um, but but I feel where Dave's coming from. Like if I I'm a diehard Eagles fan, if I'm at like this awesome, uh, if I'm at the Super Bowl and I get all this awesome treatment, I'm getting. Liquor, food, everything, and the Eagles lose. It sucks. I'm bro. like, yo, fuck this food. <laughs> fuck the lick. I and don't care. The train care. ride home was the worst, bro. Like, me and Jules had to go from like Barclay, waited at Barclay for 20 minutes. We like, nah, we're not even taking an Uber from here because there's too many people. Jules, who is he? He's a UNC fan? No, but he going to go with UNC because UNC puts a lot of bodies in, uh, or Oak Hill puts a lot of bodies in UNC. Oh. Um, which is true. I mean, we got like, a couple Oak Hill guys to go to Duke or whatever. Right. Um, but. We had to take the train to Midtown and take an Uber from Midtown. Like it was that bad because the train was going local. But mm. you know that was what. Yeah. I mean, it was great. It was great ratings. How'd um, you uh, how'd you get to get the hookup for that? Um, he had he he came across ACC tickets. It was more so um, through the job that they 
the fucking somebody got blessed with. There was a lot more, but a lot of people didn't show up. A lot more tickets. Yeah. Bro, oh. can you imagine that? This is the semifinals of the AC tournament. The ACC tournament. Yeah. You got free tickets. And you just like, nah. Like I mean, yeah. some people just don't even like college. It's not basketball. even about like liking college basketball, but it's more so just the like. I mean, experience. yes, that too. I mean that experience. You, you don't. But get, that's how that's how like, much they get it. They get stuff like that all like, the time. Some people probably didn't, like, didn't, I don't want to go to. Right. I don't care about this team. I'll wait, I'll wait I go to free later. events all the time. Right. Yeah. I hear you. I'm just gonna stay home with my kids or whatever. Well, the reason why I said institutionalized racism because it's like um, I think Jay Billis had, a, had made a great point today, and when he was talking about how. These players, the these majority African American players, whether it be basketball or college football, mm-hmm. um, where it's only a problem when they can't get paid. Nobody says anything when you have your high school college baseball player. Nobody says anything when you have your tennis player. Nobody says anything when you have your golf player. These majority mm-hmm. non minority sports for them to get paid. But when it's uh, athletes, where the NCAA is making one billion dollars off this tournament. And you're telling me you can't find a way to pay the players? And then the argument goes to, oh, well, how do you pay the starting point guard to the backup point guard? And it's like, what are you? Wait, hold on. You have a tier at your job. Somebody else has a tier at their job. Somebody else has a tier at your job. You all don't get paid the same, right? Okay, so don't tell me that there's no way that all these players can't figure out a way to pay a stipend. I mean, I have my feelings about this. Yeah. And I started to think about, like, really started to think about it this year about how you could pay college basketball players, but mm-hmm. still incentivize them to go to school. Um, I think you uh, put some sort of stipend in a certified bank account or like a trust that they can't touch until they leave school, right? So if you're a freshman, you get twenty thousand put in a trust. If you're a sophomore, you get another twenty thousand. And if you're if you get to a senior, you get thirty thousand because you graduated, right? So mm-hmm. if you stay all four years, regardless if if you go to the pros or not, you still have a hundred some odd thousand dollars in a trust waiting for you when you get out of school. Yeah, something along those lines to incentivize these players to ace. It's good to stay in school because you won't still um, lose out on your liking and your your uh, your likeness. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sign autographs up to five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever, make your own money on the side because the NCAA is making money off your licensing anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if if you're like a Zion that comes in next year to Duke, and of course you know he's going to jump to the league next year and have that potential. Okay, go. Like you're going to make your million dollars, 2 million dollars. But these players that may not make it to the pros, may not be good enough to make it to the pros, right? Mm-hmm. It incentivizes them to stay in school because they will still have money waiting for them when they get out. I've been trying to think of like the perfect way I feel to that, them. but the my only issue with that is that the problem is It's not the, perfect, the, but it's, the kids still need that money now. Like Maybe there's a like scholarship money is proven to be not enough. Yeah. Maybe there's a medium. and that's my yeah. problem. I'm not saying they should be driving Benzes in college, but at yeah. the same time, that's a job. So okay, so, and, so and, great, and that's why I said my 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 rebuttal or my solution was let's just treat it like a treat it like a club. Like if if the uh, if the schools decide to have. If the schools decide to have sports, right? If the schools have sports, treat that like a club system, like how they do soccer overseas, or how they do every sport overseas, because they do it with like because Real owns a basketball team too, right. and they do the same thing. Like you started like 15, 16 years old, and you work your way up. But those kids, a lot of those kids who were in their late 18s, 19s, 20s, still go to school because it's not a full time job. Like you don't have to be in the gym. It's just like in the NBA, you don't have to be in the gym twenty four seven. I mean, yeah, you practice a lot, but you got time to go to school. 
but you got time to get paid to do to give your time to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like super more efficient and also takes away from the like kids who don't get to go to the league who try to go into the league and like now they can't play basketball in college. See that, and that's the I don't. Thing. I think that should be taken away too. Right. All that is an, is an oppressive trying to force people into one way. Like okay, all right, bet you try to go to college out of uh, you try to go to the league out out of school, you don't make it. Now you can't play basketball. That's stupid. I think that is so crazy. Yeah, man, that's crazy. I, I've never really thought about it this rigorously, but damn, that shit is racism. Hell yeah, 100%, man. That's crazy, Because, bro. yeah, who is it impacting? Like, yeah, you got schools like like Lehigh and Creighton who, like, I mean, get, like, one uh, C.J. McCullum every, you know, so often. But really, most of the kids who are in the NCAA is probably, like, 85% black. Like, in the yeah. major sport, in the in the basketball, in the basketball football region, basketball, baseball is probably way worse. Or not way worse, but way different because a lot of those guys who are of, a, of color don't go to school. They get, they get a, picked up straight from where they right. come from. Yeah, right? and that's not even just an issue of race. It's also an issue of class because at the end of the yep. day, you got the NCAA owners uh, straight exploiting the student body, regardless of their race. Because you got, you know, major, I mean, uh, NCAA uh, baseball, and you know, which I would imagine is predominantly white. Yeah. I would imagine. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that'd be right. So, and I'm sure these people also come from impoverished backgrounds as well, and struggle as well in in their own socioeconomic ways. So, that I'm just like dumbfounded. I've never really thought about it in that light. But I think they should totally get paid in some shape or form for what they're doing. Because if the owners could get paid, you know, why can't? The in this case the workers. I mean, owners get you paid. Know, get paid. You, know, the, you how, have how much God, school, you have assistants making million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Million, Hell two yeah. million dollars. No, even the athletic, the this is not even a head coach. I'm talking about assistants. Even the coach at, at U U Albany makes it to the tournament every couple years, and yeah. they, they hardly ever get out of like the round of 64. Some I think they made it to the Sweet 16 once or twice. Right. That really happens. Uh, right. the, the 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 head coach. Wait, what? So that rarely happens. Yeah, <laughs> it, it rarely happens. But just but, going, just going, but to the like, tournament. Just going to the yo, tournament the, the coach, you. the head coach, he Will Brown, he pulls in like three to four million. That's crazy at Albany. At Albany, that's crazy. That's three to four million. The crazy, head coach bro. at Albany a yes. year. Yes. What? Like yes. Buffalo? Like the Buffalo coach? <laughs> he just got a bag because oh, they, he's they making broke. what? He got what? a bag because hopefully they broke for him, of, if his contract is up like oh, this year, shit. oh my god, because of my boy Cook cooking. Yeah, also, man. the implications on That's that, crazy. the implications on these small schools who make it to the league, who make it to the the tournament, Sorry, yeah. is that they won their conference, which Red is bird. also boom. That's another right. check right there. Yeah, yeah. and then recruiting, recruiting goes up. People and want to go to your school more now. Like, that money goes into a pot. Like, my cousin played on an LSU uh, championship, one of the LSU championship teams, um, and, like, they get rings. And their rings are worth more than the money that they get. Like, yeah, the, the coaches, the, so the school gets money for making it to a bowl game, making it to the SEC championship, winning the SEC championship. Of course, because all all, all they, they all have sponsors. All of these yeah. little step things, like, okay, if you make it to the – Say you you get a one seed, boom, that's a check. Say you win that joint, boom, that's another check. Say you go to the BCS, that's another check. Say you win the BCS, that's another check. So these kids they get they get um per diem, but that's like come on, that's literally that's not it's pennies, bro. Pennies, yeah. yeah, pennies. So like yeah, my cousin would be like yeah, we was able to, but they not. I mean not that they need to go and get bottle like buying money. Yeah, of course. As far as like going into the club and trying to pop bottles, or whatever. But yeah. literally like it's not. It's it's just it's so messed up. Like how and what it does is it trains they mind to like not get nothing right yeah. you get nothing in college so when you get just a what we consider 
if you look at the overall pie, yeah. a little piece. Yeah. Them getting, you know, what's what's the what's the league minimum in, in, in NFL? NFL's like, uh, four hundred thousand. What's the what's the rookie? Because the rookies have to get at least that for like two yeah, years, right? Four hundred thousand. That's and that's what um, the veterans minimum is like seven hundred. I don't think I was on here, but uh, Lamar Jackson said that he was like when they when he didn't do the combine, he had his mom be his agent. He was like, "Yo, I did that because we all about to make the same money anyway. It don't even matter. Like they yeah. can't give me a bonus. They're not gonna sign me early. None of that's gonna happen. I'm gonna be making the same money for at least two years. Wow. Yeah. So I'm gonna just have my mom take that percentage. She's coming right back to the family, then give right, some dude yeah. who don't care about me exactly. Yeah. Like that. Give that a chart. But a the, the point I was going to is that like so that when they go to the league and they get that little bit of money, it's like oh thank you, master. It's like yeah. It's that, I forgot master what it's called, but it's like it's like kidnapper like like kidnapper's remorse or something like that. Like, yeah. Like if basically if you get kidnapped, oh um yeah. If you if you get kidnapped if you get kidnapped right or they, and they and you got a whole bunch of people in there like beating beating your ass. So they do that shit in like in like terrorist cells a lot. Like yeah. They, they'll that's capture not, a POW. That's right? that's, no. Yeah. No, that's Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. They'll, they'll they'll beat your ass a lot, and then the the leader will come in and be like, "Here's a cup of water." Yeah. And now that's that's perceived as nice. Like, no, you forget that you're like yeah, still in captivity yeah, exactly. under his rule. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, that's the same thing. Like, you go to the league, they give you a little money, and now you don't want to sit for the flag because, oh man, they've been so good to me. Yeah. Or you don't want to talk bad about Arthur Blank or, or whoever whose man's from uh from the Carolina, who um who who um. Cam Newton defended after the fact, like, oh, bro, yeah, he yeah. we we know that he was in. The, like, you don't have to defend him. It's it's literally a fact that he was in that joint grabbing girls' booties, making girls wear jeans, tight jeans on Fridays, like wilding the fuck out, bro. And you still gonna get your fucking corny ass on yo, TV yo, and be like, he's a good man. He don't need you. He don't give a fuck about you, bro. Not even in the slightest, man. That's crazy. As soon as you get hurt, he's cutting you. So as soon as yeah. you get hurt, that's definitely just like this. The, the and they the, made him stop talking about that black shit too. On top yeah. of that, yeah. Slave mentality right there. Forty up. forty million dollar slaves. Yep. Bill Rodin. Read it. That's that's ridiculous, man. They should definitely be getting paid in addition to that. Like I can't tell you on a personal level how many athletes I've known in college who weren't, you know, great, who weren't destined for the league. Right. And now they they out of college. They had they they college, you know, moment. highlights moment. and they moment yeah. and now they just one of, like one of my boys was just on the bachelor. They just like depressed. You Mike feel Mike. me? Yeah. Off the strength that they got nothing going for them. Right. You feel me? They probably wasn't guaranteed that beautiful nine to five with the forty K after, you well, know. So and, that, and, that, like, and that goes into like what I was saying before, like how to set these dudes up that don't make it to the league where they still have money in a bank account ready to be invested and yeah. look out for them. Mm-hmm. And somebody in also in their ear, some course saying, yes, invest this, invest this, put this in a stock, put this in a fund, yeah. whatever. Set yourself up after exactly. this career just in case you don't make the league, man, just in case you bum an injury out and you know your career is done i think that's just the the how can i say the uh professional league industrial complex if you will you know what i'm saying it's a well-oiled machine like Mm -hmm. this is legit the status quo and they've been doing this for years and they got self-actualizing now though too yeah you don't even have to like like uh like 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 interest i forgot it was kanye said something like that like where the hate can get so crazy, but that's something that we've already known as a concept already. Where like they keep embedding the hate, keep embedding the hate, keep embedding the hate, and then you're like, oh shit, well I hate myself too. Yeah. And then and then you're not realizing that you're hating yourself and the actions that you're doing because yeah. it disguises other things. Right. It's, it's disguised. Right. It's like love. Like, are you taking care of yourself or you're surviving? You know, if you don't care about the next man next to you and, and not speaking to people in your neighborhood because you're protecting your family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But fuck all that. Nine eleven. I heard. I heard I, about so you. I, was about to say, I uh, heard about you. Are you still still a conspiracy theorist a little bit? Conspiracy theorist, nah, man. Nah. I'm, I'm, so this is my thing on conspiracies. So 
I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, at this point in my life, I don't care. Okay. Mm. You know why? Because at the end of the day, what am I going to do? If it's true, if all these conspiracy theories are true, you I, feel me? I know, Dave, Dave, you're a 9-11 truther, right? I mean, about a few things. I mean, I won't go as far as like Sandy Hook or something, but there's like a lot of like uh, inconsistencies about things. All right. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, the, here's one thing that's not a conspiracy. Is if a white kid go up in a school, shoot up a school, they're not going to kill that kid when they when he comes outside that building. Word. That's not a conspiracy. That's definitely not a conspiracy. Right. So, Yo, like, that's crazy. They haven't killed one. No, nope. not one. Nope. Not one. Uh-uh. Dylan but, Roof. Dylan Roof went and shot up a whole church. They gave, brought on a fucking Burger King. Dude, brought on a Burger King. Dude, it was nice to him. In Aurora. Yeah, man, and some black kid just theater. got a hoodie on and he gets shot up. Yeah, it's not a conspiracy. Anytime a black kid gets shot, they bring up his criminal record. Anytime somebody else, even yeah. with like, bro, how come nobody's talking? Like, here's not a conspiracy. Black, of like prominent families in 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 Austin, Texas, are getting targeted right now with bombs getting delivered to their house, bro. Crazy. That's not terrorism. Yeah. I don't know what the yeah, fuck is, bro. That's definitely terrible. You know what I'm saying? Right but as far as like, yeah, I'm, the 9-11 thing, it's too many things that lead to each other. I hear if what you're you saying. If you see that video Which on the zeitgeist with the, the zeitgeist. windows exploding before yeah. the plane hits, that shit yeah. is a little weird. Right. And then I they mean, interview the, 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 the engineers. That, like the way the building built, collapsed and how they they collapsed they like behind. a demolition. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It looked like a time demolition. Jet fuel cannot melt steel beams, bro. Yeah. Yeah, right? The, 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 engineers, the, the engineers said it themselves. They were like, there's no way... That our structure that we built, because after the bomb went off in the early 90s, they reinforced the structure right. mm-hmm. and they were like, there's no way. And even if it was going to fall like it wouldn't fall like demolition that. style. Right. right. And then the beams were at an angle. Like, it almost seemed like the beams. were. Yeah, like, there, there was, was a lot. Of there shit. was a lot of suspicious right. shit on that. I'll, I'll definitely grant you that. Like 9-11 is very suspect and you can go into it and figure it out. But let's say we figure out it is a conspiracy. What then what? what? Then yeah. what? You it feel just, me? Just, so I think it's just for, for people who don't know. I think it's one. It's good to be informed. Yeah, it's good to understand the minimal amount of trust yeah. that you should be putting in your elected officials. Yeah. Um, and understanding that, and like, because I can ask you about this, like, what do you feel is bigger, classism or racism? Because in this point, in this in this example specifically, it's not racism, it's classism. And they don't yeah. give a fuck about anybody because mm-hmm. it's not like, I mean, Billions comes back next uh, next Sunday. Yes, it does. And in his story, yeah. Bobby Axelrod just happened to mm-hmm. not be in the tower when the towers fell and his entire crew was knocked out, which yeah. left him in charge of that whole money thing. But yeah, there were people who literally did not go in who who were CEOs and execs. And it's like, hmm. Yeah, no, that's hmm. there's a lot of sus, hmm. a lot of sus shit around that, and um, but it's classism, though, right? Because all yo, hundred percent about the yeah, it was all about that access to that oil that we couldn't get. Yeah, if if that is true, then it's definitely classism, and I think classism is definitely a huge issue in America, nine eleven or not, and Absolutely. that's one thing that isn't spoken about, and and classism and racism are, are deeply rooted and deeply tied to one another here in America. So it's it's something that we as you know black men in America we can't ignore mm-hmm. as well because it's it's easy to talk about racism and identify with that, but we also got to bring it to the other level and associate it with the fact that, you know, we're also part of a socioeconomic class that is not just rooted in black. You know, there are white people across America who who struggle as well and live in poverty. Absolutely. You know, worse than, you know, the but, most impoverished. But this is why I say it's a little deeper. So, no, oh, no. so I was going to say, like, yeah. as you said, with classism, I think it's hidden behind... Especially with those whites in poverty, yeah, the American dream. 
is yeah. hidden behind that, and it's hidden by the elite in that saying, "Oh no, you're supposed to strive to get up there. Yeah. You're supposed to strive to get up here." When li- literally, there's no chance. Yeah, there's no chance at all for yeah. them to make that class jump. Exactly. Up. It's 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 if you pay attention to it, like the fuckery behind it. It's you funny have to be because smart enough to, not to pick up on it. There's even like white self hatred if you think about it. Like you got to pull up your bootstraps, you know, like type of you know mindset that you have. Like, and if you look at it from a classist perspective and you're looking at white people who are poor and who are preaching pull up your bootstraps to you know black impoverished right. people when we're talking about the welfare state right. i don't know when if that's if there's no bigger example of self-hatred than that when it comes to the boots white america boots and it's actually straps on them and them, ain't nothing and yeah. the, but so that's what i was saying like it might be just a little bit the racism just might be a little more deeper than the, than the classism because mm-hmm. inside of that classism those who are in our same class are taught and, and, and forced to not even forced, they're indoctrinated that we are still not equal. Bro, you make the it, same amount of bread as me. But it creates, I got a degree and you don't, you work in a steel mill, bro. It, like, but somehow you're better than me, right. or like somehow yeah. like that, see what I'm saying? That will always Or or the, for 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 another factoid, more white people in America are on welfare than black Americans in this country. And if yeah. you if you put a black person on welfare and a white person on welfare in a room to get an interview and put both of them in suits and clean them up. White person can exactly yeah. facts. So they facts. could be on the same level, but once you get into a room and you're judged on other things, yeah. that's why I think it's weird when you apply for jobs and they want to know, like they want to look at your well, tax records. Oh, the weirdest shit is if you apply to a job in Europe. So I applied to a job mm-hmm. in England, uh-huh. bro. They ask you so much. They ask you if you're gay or straight. They ask yeah. you what your religion is. They ask you every like they're they're entitled to ask you everything, and I'm like, God damn, crazy. like That's crazy. Right. Well, wow. I only I've only I've only applied for jobs in like Paris or whatever, but it was a lot less lax. But I got I applied for a job today with a company that you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> but I applied for a job today in uh, in Europe. No, but in, <laughs> oh. in America, like, in America, in the road, for the first you quit time, in the podcast, and for the first time, I had got asked like if I was LGBT or some shit like that. I was like, damn, they putting this shit on fucking. It's like, oh, we just doing this because we're all inclusive. I didn't people. know they could do that, bro. In they America. do that shit to look, look at stats and they look yeah. at okay, where's they, the company at right now? It's like with, with college admissions, it's the same same concept. Yeah, exactly. They look at, it's all the sense. They, look at, mm-hmm. they, they, they want to be at, inclusive. They want to have because well, they look at they look at where where we at right now. Okay, well, here's our percentage. Boom, right. boom, boom. All right, bet. Let's look at who. Who, all right, bet. Cut out who's qualified. All right. Now we got Where we three gay people, yep. one black person, five white women, and one black woman. All yep. right. They ought to fill the quota. Um, yeah. yeah, great. From We're that, diverse. Low-key, like, you'll get then, then <laughs> an interview from that and then yeah. figure out who they like. I, I remember I, I realized that when I started working at Fox Sports, my first job out of college. Mm-hmm. They hired me. Yo, the dude who hired me was so high on me. He was feeding me all this shit about what I'm going to be doing. Bro, I get there. The job is completely not what he told me. I look around me. I say, hold up. Oh, there's only one other black dude in here? Okay. Oh, oh man. I get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they, they placed you in that department. They, they sold me the shit out of that job because wow, they needed of but course. They also, black dude. But they yeah. also knew you as a black person was looking at that job like, oh, man, this will be great for my career. Yeah, right, I mean, it would. And, and, and it did. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, like, I get that. I mean, this is like, it's just, man. That's crazy. You know what I just recently discovered? Um, in New York City, I think the largest welfare recipients... Um, are Jewish people. Oh, you fucking kidding me. And they wow. have found wow. they have found a way to circumvent the system. Um this is no hate against Jewish people. I love all people and I have great friends, you know, who are Jewish and they have gone through many struggles in their lives um throughout history. Um but what I found out was that 
since this is like the Orthodox Jewish people, uh-huh. from what I understand, and since their marriage is outside of the state, their wives are able to claim single welfare uh, women who are receiving no money. So they're married and they have a husband. But they're not working. But they're not working and they're entitled to receive welfare benefits because legally they're not married. So the oh, income... So marriage... They don't sign regular marriage certificates. From what I understand, from what I did in research, anyone who wants to, you know, fact check that, right. please do. Yeah, I only um, watched the documentary on it, but it was more so about people about... though It's on Netflix. It's about people who want to get out. Mm-hmm. And how the like how the community is, and also how they kind of like conspire to basically get oh, yeah. all of the the whole mm-hmm. area from like Ken Williamsburg, lives in a Hasidic yeah, Jewish, Jewish, Jewish neighborhood, from like Williamsburg, like yeah. all the way up into Bed Stuy, all the mm-hmm. way, and now they've creeped over the Parkway. I was saying they definitely have. They've creeped yeah. over the Parkway. They definitely have over mm-hmm. um like Sterling, like that whole area over there. It, like, is it hard to get an apartment in that neighborhood if you're not? Hasidic, not, no. not unless they own they, own the neighborhood. Yeah. But and even when they own the buildings, don't. like they they let anybody mm-hmm. in there. Right. Now yeah. the buildings that they live in, it's impossible. Yeah, because they they like to keep all yeah. that shit together. Right. Mm-hmm. But they own other they own other like shit elsewhere, and they right. got. Mm-hmm. Shit, I mean, I only say for the sake of perspective for the people who like to demonize black people for being on welfare, and you know, it's just to to get a perspective on that because they they might very well be struggling in, in financially. I don't know, you know, um, but that is something that I recently discovered right. about that's interesting welfare recipients in New York City, particularly. Right. Well, closing up the tab, uh, Danny, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me, man. Uh, I'm more than happy to come here anytime. Love this, love what y'all doing, yeah, man. Bro. This is great stuff. Appreciate we just, it. We're just having conversations. That we feel we should be having all right letting the world into them you know for um sure. uh like i said closing up the tab for the evening tip for the evening is um i mean get out i mean danny's out here doing some great stuff right trying to organize um folks to like it, it really hurts me mm-hmm. to know that people in i don't say impoverished neighborhoods but in urban neighborhoods yeah. are not as civically active as they should be because yeah. there are policies that are put in place to keep them low and not yeah. and, and to be um, not interested into stuff that will make them better right yeah um so uh, i mean the tip of the evening is go out and be as civically uh, involved if not involved keep yourself um knowledge on issues that affect you at least you can know who represents exactly. you exactly if not you then who that's what right. i ask myself every day if it's not me then who's gonna be it's gotta be me you know and i think with that type of mentality shared you know i think we can change the world no questions asked. All right, dope. Um, uh, thank y'all for listening. My name is Ken. I'm Nick. And I'm Dan. And you've been listening to the last call. Bullet.